already done tonight and for what he's going to do tonight. As the first year youth service of the new year, I wanted to do something a little different, a little special. The word the year last year was development, trying to help young people develop into what God has called you to be, uh, whether that's in music or whether that's singing or whether that's intercessory prayer or whether that's helping out and, and, and being a part and being plugged in or whether that's ministry. And so that's been the key word last year, development, 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 helping young people develop. And we are not through with that. We are going into another year where I want to see young people striving and wanting and desiring to become what God has called you to be. Amen. There's ministries all over this place. There's young people that I believe God has, is going to open up Bible studies for you. You're going to give more Bible studies than anybody this year. I believe that. Anybody believe that with me? Praise God. I believe that. I believe God is developing us. So I wanted to do something special for this first youth service to show that I am for young men. I am for them. I want them to preach to us. I want them to preach us. So we got three young men tonight that are going to come and give their hearts to us, deliver a word of God to us. I told each one of them that they have 15 to 20 minutes. So if all three of them go 20 minutes, that's an hour. But we can give them an hour. Amen? I believe that. Because God has something in store for us tonight. And when these young men come up here and preach, don't respond to them like, oh, it's just one of our peers. But no, respond to them as if it, it, it's your favorite preacher. Respond to them as if it's your pastor. Respond to them as if it was me. Respond to the preached word of God tonight, and I guarantee you God has something in store for you. Amen. Praise God. So with that said, our first young man that's going to come and open up his heart and preach to us is a very special young man to me. I've known this young man since he was actually born. I remember the day he was born. Wow. And uh, this guy, man, I could say so much about him. But I'm going to tell you this. I am so proud of what he has let God do in his life. Amen. He has totally let God develop him. He's let God use him. And over this last year to two years, I've seen such a change in him and a desire in his heart for the things of God. Amen. And that's what we want, the things of God. So as we bring this young man, Brother Holdenbrock, come preach the word to us. Amen. Let's give that praise to God right now. Come on, why don't we just give that hair clap to Jesus right now? All across this place, the first youth service of 2024, I wonder if we could just make a commitment that from this point on, I'm going to give God everything that I have, every praise on my lips. As long as I got breath in my lungs, Jesus will receive my praise. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful to be here tonight in front of my youth group and in front of the people that I call my friends. I love every single one of you. If you have your Bibles, I want us to turn to Jonah chapter number one. And while you're turning there, I just want to take a few moments tonight 
give honor to our pastor and our bishop and our youth pastor and my father. These are the men of God in my life who I look up to. And I strive to be like them. They motivate me and push me to be the man that God has called me to be. And I love every single one of them. And I want to give double honor to Brother Casey tonight. He has a love and a passion and a burden for every single one of us. And I am so appreciative of that. I also appreciate him recognizing the call of God that young people have on their lives. And he puts together things like this that allow us to step in and to pursue that calling. And I think he deserves thanks. I think we need to put our hands together. Hallelujah. I'm excited to hear what Brother Gabriel and Caden have prepared for us today. But tonight is not about me. Tonight is not about Brother Gabriel or Brother Caden. But tonight is all about Jesus. And I just want to give Jesus everything that I have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The book of Jonah, chapter number one, verse one. It says, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for the wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went unto down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And for a few moments tonight, I do not have a long, dynamic message, but I just have a very short and simple message. But this is what I feel that God has put on my heart. And I just want to be sensitive to God. Is there a young person here tonight that just wants to be sensitive to the voice of God? Hallelujah. So for a few moments tonight, I just want to talk on this subject. Go to Nineveh. Go to Nineveh. If you set your Bibles down. I wonder if we can close our eyes and lift our hands and say, Jesus, before we do anything else, before we move from this point, we want to give you praise. We want to speak your name. God, I ask that you would open up our hearts and that you would open up our minds to you, that you would give us a word that we can take with us and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, come on, why don't you lift up your voice, put your hands together and give God some praise. You may be seated. The book of Jonah is about the formative spiritual process of a man called of God to do great things. His calling was strange and foreign. He had no support from his own people. His upbringing, desires, and prejudices were against this calling. He had no inward inclination for the enterprise. He was not prepared for the process. It was a challenge on a scale he had never encountered, and it would threaten his very life to go to Nineveh. We read in our Bible about a prophet named Jonah. Now Jesus has commanded Jonah to go east into Nineveh to preach unto the Ninevites. Nineveh was an evil and a murderous city, a city full of wickedness. But Jonah did not agree with the call that Jesus had given him, so he disobeyed God and fled to Tarshish. The reason for Jonah's disobedience was that he knew that our God had the power to forgive all sins and pour out his mercy on the Ninevites. But Jonah was angry with God because he did not feel that they were worthy of God's forgiveness because this was an evil and a wicked city. So Jonah went to the harbor and found a ship that was departing and got onto it and left to Tarsus. We read further on in these scriptures that in the middle of Jonah's journey, God caused a great storm to encounter Jonah's attempt to flee. The men of the boat found Jonah and began to question him and asked him who he was. And he said, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. And immediately they knew that he was running from the call of God. So they said unto him, what shall we do so that the sea may be calm unto us? And Jonah said, take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. The shipmasters obeyed Jonah's command and casted him over the vessel. 
This was Jonah's second attempt by escaping God's calling with death. Now God prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And when he was in the belly of that fish for three days and for three nights, he began to pray two prayers. And in Jonah's first prayer, he was giving God thanks that after all he has done to try to escape him, God has not abandoned him. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for God that when I know I wasn't making some right decisions and I may have been running from the call of God, he always stood by my side and he gave me mercy and he forgave me. I'm so thankful for God. That when I was alone and when I was afraid and it felt like the whole world had turned their backs on me, there was a God who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I will always be by your side. Are you thankful for a God who has not abandoned you? <laughs> Hallelujah. His second prayer was, Lord, from this point on, I will obey your voice. He said, whatever you tell me to do, Jesus, I will answer that call. The Bible tells us that that great fish spit up Jonah onto the dry land. And Jesus told Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh. God repeated his original command to Jonah because God's perfect will is unchanging. I'm so thankful for a God who has a plan for my life and he will never change. Jonah chapter number 3, verse 3 says, so Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days journey. And Jonah began to enter the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. We read further on that Jonah preached a very short message. It said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And that one very short message caused all of Nineveh to repent and to start a fast and to destroy their idols. Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 41. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus said, The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation. And they shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Jesus is telling us in these passages of scripture that Jonah was great. This was a man that was running after God, even tried to escape God with death. But despite his mistakes and despite his failures, God still said, I had a plan for you and I have a plan for your life. I'm speaking to someone tonight with a call of God on their life who is letting their past mistakes and failures define them. You may think that your calling that you have is insignificant and Jesus cannot use you. But I'm here to tell you tonight that that is a lie from the enemy. My God has created you into his perfect masterpiece. He has a plan for your life. Hallelujah. You are called to greater things here tonight. Hallelujah. The message that moved Nineveh to repentance was a message of immense judgment. But much of the power of the message was in its preaching and its preacher. I said the power was in its preaching and its preacher. There was a power inside of Jonah that brought all of Nineveh to a place of repentance. And this was the power of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 1 verse number 8 says, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. That same power that was in Jonah that made all of Nineveh repent is living inside of a Holy Ghost filled young person here tonight. We need to take advantage of that power and put it into action. We need to create inside ourselves a spirit of boldness. Oh, come on, somebody. We need to create inside ourselves a spirit of boldness because every time you step out of your house, you are stepping into a mission field. You are stepping into a world that is filled with corrupted minds, lost souls, and hungry hearts. And I'm here to tell a young person tonight that there is a Nineveh that is in need of soul Go to Nineveh. Now is not the time for us to be silent, but we need to proclaim the name of Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but I want to see my youth group grow. Hallelujah. 
You have power in your words, and with your voice you can invite someone to church, witness about Jesus, and teach a Bible study. My Bible tells me that in the name of Jesus, the dead was raised, the blind man could see, and in Jesus' name, the mute could speak, the deaf could hear, and the lame could walk. That same power that raised the dead man lives inside of a Holy Ghost-filled young person tonight. You need to take advantage of that power. As we all stand. Everyone here tonight is called to be a soul winner. Some callings are different than others, but I believe it all circles back into being a soul winner. And I'm asking a young person tonight to answer the call. God has a plan for my life, and God has a plan for you, your life too. I encourage somebody tonight to take a hold of what God has for us. We need to teach that Bible study, win that soul, because I want to see the kingdom of God grow. God has called us to greater things tonight. I said he's called us to greater things tonight. I feel this in the Holy Ghost right now. There is a revival inside of Amplified Youth Group. There is a revival inside of us. If you would just answer the call, you would say, Jesus, wherever you want me to go, I will go. Go to Nineveh. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Go to Nineveh. I claim this right now in Jesus' name that God is going to grow my youth group. There is a revival in my youth group that can shake Bakersfield. It can shake my church. I believe it, and I claim it. Why don't you claim that here tonight? God, I believe in it. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's, let's just pray right now. Let's just apply this to our lives before we go to the next speaker, before we move to this point. Let's make a declaration that I'm going to apply this to my life. I'm going to answer the call of God because there is a Nineveh out there that has never heard the word of the Lord. There is a Nineveh out there that's never experienced what we've experienced, but God has created me to be a vessel to spread that goodness of God, to proclaim what Jesus is. Hallelujah. Come on, one last time. Let's just begin to raise our hands and give God some praise. Hallelujah. You believe that. Come on, let's push for a second. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody needs to accept that call. I believe Holden just gave us a challenge. He just challenged every one of these young people, saying, don't be satisfied with where you're at. Don't be satisfied with where our youth group is at. But we can grow. We can be more spiritual. We can be bigger. We can do whatever we want to do. When we get our minds made up, God, let me go to Nineveh. Let me go to Nineveh. Let me go to Nineveh. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for that word. He is in the right vein. Amen. That is exactly what I've been praying for so far this year. It, for our youth group is the way he preached to us right now. Thank you, Brother Holden, for preaching your heart to us. And young people, don't let that just go away. Don't let that just... Uh, Okay, well, he's done. But get hold of what he said tonight. Fall in love with that. Lord, let me go to Nineveh. Let me be a difference in somebody's life. Let me teach a Bible study. Let me witness to somebody. Let me stand in the gap for somebody. Hallelujah. We have backslidden young people that need us to pray for them, that need us to fast for them. Hallelujah. Come on, young people. Praise God. Praise God. I believe God's just getting started.
Thank you again, Brother Holden Brock, for preaching to us. But again, he is just getting started. This next young man is very special to me. He uh, has came on board last year as, as uh, part of our youth committee, and he's been awesome. Uh, he's been a big help. He's a worker. Uh, he never says no, and he, he loves doing things for the kingdom of God. And that is really what I've seen from him over this last year, is just wanting to be used of God. Whatever you want, whatever it is, he doesn't have to be behind the pulpit. This isn't his favorite thing. This isn't what he strives for. He'll, he'll do anything for me. I tell him, go wash the to toilet. He'll go clean it and not even question me. And I appreciate that spirit. I appreciate that. But tonight, you're going to come and you're going to preach to us. Amen. And so next, I'm bringing up here Brother Gabe Bustamani. Let's worship God as he comes. Again, let's respond with the preacher just like we did with Brother Holden. Praise the Lord, everybody. Are you ready to go to Nineveh? I've made a commitment tonight. Lord, I'm going to Nineveh. Whatever the situation, whatever the call, Lord, I'm going in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Just want to say to Brother CJ and my pastor, I know he's not here, but I truly appreciate this opportunity. And this is not where I like to be. I prefer staying back in the sound booth where I'm kind of hidden. But God put it on their hearts to have me up here, so I'm here. I, don't, I can't say no. <laughs> it's one of my weaknesses. <laughs> but I believe that the Lord has given me something for you guys tonight. So with the Lord's help. Let's get started. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. As you set your Bibles down, let's lift our hands as we get ready to preach with me. Lord, I worship you and I magnify your holy name, Lord. I pray that your words would flow out of me and that they would touch the hearts of your people tonight, Lord. I pray that this youth group would respond in the name of Jesus, that each and every one of them would leave changed in this place. We love you and we thank you. We give you all of the glory and all of the honor. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want to focus, you can be seated by the way. Yeah, I forgot that part. I want to focus on a couple different types of prisoners that you, as a young person, may find yourself in. And my title tonight is, Which Prisoner Are You? Looks so good, doesn't it? Thank you, Sister Paisley. The Israelite people, after being in Israel or in Egypt for a number of years, found themselves in bondage of the Egyptian people. Pharaoh tasked them to build his cities, to build whatever he needed done. The Israelite people found themselves imprisoned for hundreds of years. They were held captive for many, many, many years. That's a long time, 400 years. But God sent a man named Moses to deliver them from their captivity. And it was as they were leaving Israel or Egypt, Israel began to complain. They weren't even out of Egypt yet, and they began to complain. They seen the Red Sea before them and thought, I might as well just go back because the, the Egyptians are coming right behind me, and they're going to kill me. Throughout the books that, that uh, document the 
exit from Egypt and the entering into the promised land, we find that Egypt, on occasion after occasion, complains, saying, it would be better that I was in Egypt where I had food. It would be better that I was in Egypt where I had shelter or where I had water. I, I want to, to come to you and tell you that you don't have to be like the Israelite people. Your situation may be dark and it may be grim, but the Lord has called you to do great things. The Lord's called you to go to Nineveh. You're not called to be under the rule of the Egyptian thumb. You're not called to be that person, that prisoner. You are called to be something more. And as young people, we can get into this cycle of I'm in prison and I'm out of prison. I'm in prison and I'm out of prison because the devil is constantly in our ear telling us we're not good enough. You can't do that. You're not good enough because you're so young. But I've come to tell somebody that it doesn't matter how young you are. You are capable. God has put within you the capability to do great things in the name of Jesus. And I believe it on each and every one of you. You go to school and you see everything around you, the world that's coming against you. And you feel beat down and pressed like you can't move, like you're being held by chains. It's difficult to live for God in a world like we're living in today. If you're not prayed up, if you're not doing the things that you need to do, you're reading your Bible every day, it's very difficult. I found myself not too long after I started high school, I started to talk a little different. I wasn't doing what I should have been doing. I knew I was doing wrong. I knew that my situation wasn't what God had truly called me to do. And I just, I'll fix it later. I'll fix it tomorrow. I'll pray tomorrow. I'll read my Bible tomorrow. And day after day after day, I found myself not doing what I said I was going to do. I went deeper and deeper into the things that I knew I shouldn't have been doing. I found myself bound by an addiction that I really didn't see coming. I mean, I didn't think I would be addicted, but the devil has a way of pushing the pleasures of sin for a season. And then one day you wake up and you realize I'm very far from where I'm meant to be. This is not what God's called me to be. And like the Israelite people, I was complacent with where I was. I would repent. Lord, I don't want to be bound anymore. Lord, deliver me in the name of Jesus. And then that very night I'd go right back to what I was doing. I do it over and over and over again, a constant cycle of repeat, re, repent and repeat, repent and repeat, repent and repeat. I'm not comfortable telling you this, but I was addicted for six years. It was from the age of 11 to, I believe I was 17 and a half. It's a long time to be addicted. I found myself day to day to day just bound by what the devil sold to me. I let him speak to me the lies and the deception, and I was extremely far from where God has truly called me to be. And I don't wish that upon anybody. That's the one type of person you can be. You can be bound by the situation that you've placed yourself in by allowing the devil to talk to you. Acts chapter 21, verse 30 and all the city was moved, and the people ran together, and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple, and forthwith the doors were shut. And as they went about to kill him, tidings came unto the chief captain of the band, that all Jerusalem was in uproar, who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down into them. And when they saw the chief captain and the soldiers, they left beating Paul. Then the chief captain came near and took him and commanded him to be bound. 
with two chains and demanded who he was and what he had done. Acts chapter 24 and verse 26. He hoped also that money should have been given of him of Paul, that he might lose him. Wherefore, he sent for him the offender and communed with him. But after two years, Portius Festus came and Felix to, unto Felix's room. And Felix, willing to show the Jews a favor, a pleasure, left Paul bound. Acts chapter, 30, Acts chapter 28, verse 30. And Paul dwelt two years in his own house, hired house and received all that came unto him. The apostle Paul was under arrest for about five years during his ministry. About two and a half of those years were spent in a literal prison. The rest is spent under house arrest or being escorted by a Roman soldier from Jerusalem to Rome. My opening scripture, the very man that was mentioned in these verses up ahead, he says, nor of me his prisoner, speaking of the Lord. This is the same man who was beaten, then jailed. This is the same man that was threatened with death, then jailed. He was jailed for two years simply because the ruler wanted a bribe. Then he was on house arrest for two years before being beheaded. Notice that he doesn't claim to be the prisoner of the Romans. Paul had an understanding that I may be in prison, but I am not a prisoner. The God that I serve can reach down to where I am and pull me out. I may be bound by physical chains, but I am free in the name of the Lord. His mercy has reached me. His mercy is new every day, and it will come to you. So my question, who will you, or whose prisoner are you? I forgot my title. Whose prisoner are you? Are you going to make the decision that I'm going to listen to the lies of the enemy, and I'm going to allow him to bind me, or are you going to talk to the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings? His bonds are bonds of love. His bonds are bonds of mercy. His bonds are bonds of grace. When you find an altar of repentance, he gives to you joy everlasting, peace that is unsearchable, unspeakable. Hallelujah. It's because of Paul had an understanding that I may be in prison, but I am not a prisoner, that he was able to preach the gospel while in prison, that he was able to see miracles while in prison, that he was able to literally praise the chains off of his fellow prisoners. Whose prisoner are you tonight? Let's lift our hands. I call somebody, Lord, have your way, Jesus, Lord. Make a decision tonight. Are you going to stay where you are, or are you going to step into the things that God has called you to do? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 That's it, young people. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. We praise you right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Whose prisoner are you? Whose prisoner are you? Paul said, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Even when he was in prison, he didn't give himself to the world and, and say that he was a prisoner to those who actually had him bound. But he said, I was a prisoner to Jesus Christ. He's the only one who's my master. He's the only one that I'm here to serve. He's the only one who I'm here to worship. Praise God. Are you a prisoner of Jesus Christ? I'm thankful to be in the house of God. This is exactly where I want to be. I don't want to be anywhere else. There's no party that is good enough. There's no drug that is better than what I feel in the house of God tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's worship him one more time together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. I want to be a prisoner of yours, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Brother Gabe Usamani, for preaching to us. Another amazing message. Brother Holden Brock started us off with go to Nineveh. And then in the process of going to Nineveh, recognizing whose prisoner you are. Who do you belong to? And next we have another awesome young man.
who's going to come up here and preach tonight. And I believe I was at the first youth service he ever preached at. And I, I think it was in 2015. I have a picture of you right here that I'm looking at. It's beautiful. I'll share it with you all later. But um, 2015, how old were you in 2015? <laughs> Can't even do the math. All right. <laughs> yeah, he was young. <laughs> but I was there for that first youth service that you preached. And, and you were a part of three young men then. I believe it was Brother Emmanuel and Brother Bryson Rodriguez. And so here tonight, you are bringing up the tail end here. And you're, you have let God use you. You've let God mold you. And you, um, I love seeing what God has done in your life over these last, uh, what was that, nine years since that moment. And in those nine years, I've seen you develop. I've seen God put things in you. And let God continue to do that. Because I'm telling you right now, this isn't the, the end of what God's doing for you. This is He's just getting started in your ministry. Praise God. So I want you to come, Brother Caden Brock, and preach to us. And I want us to respond to this young man. Amen. Do you believe that God is doing great things in this place? He's not through, right? We're going to respond to the word of God. And I believe that we're going to have an amazing altar call. And God is going to do great things in this youth service. Brother Caden Brock, come preach to us. I wonder if we can all lift up our hands and lift up our voice for just a couple more moments. God, I worship your name, Jesus. I give you all of the glory and I give you all of the honor, Jesus. You are worthy, God. You are worthy, Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's push a little bit deeper right now. God, I worship your name, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for everything that you are going to do. God, I thank you for the words that we have already received. But I believe that you're going to take us to another level tonight. Amen. I'm going to be reading out of Luke chapter 18, starting in verse number one. And before I get started, I want to say thank you to my amazing youth pastor. If you're thankful for Brother C.J. Casey and Sister Priscilla Casey, why don't you put your hands together for them? And I also want to say a thank you to my family and a thank you to the ministry of this church for guiding me to the point where I am today. I am very honored. We have such great ministry, and I could not be more grateful. I'm not going to take up too much of our time tonight. I am used to two-minute exhorts, so if this turns into a two-minute exhort, Brother CJ, I am so sorry. Luke chapter 18, verse number 1, and it says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men are always to pray and not faint, saying there was a city, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear that what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear along with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Somebody say, speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, Shall he find faith on the earth? As we set our Bibles down, I wonder if we can all close our eyes and lift up our hands. And can we usher in that sweet presence of the Lord? 
Oh, can we usher in that anointing? God, I pray that you touch each and every one of us in this place tonight. God, that your anointing flows from the front of this room to the very back. God, that you open our hearts, Lord, to receive your word. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight I'm going to be preaching on the topic, Crossing the Void. In this passage of scripture, we read about a woman who was a widow and a judge who was an unjust judge. And this widow was going to this judge with her problems. And the judge, like I said before, was an unjust judge. So she would go to this judge and say, avenge me of mine adversary. But this judge would basically say, I do not care what you have to say. I don't care what you bring to the table. Just leave me alone. But this woman was a persistent woman. And she continued to go to this judge and say, avenge me of mine adversary. And the Bible says that the judge says, I feel Fear not God, nor do I fear man, but because this woman troubleth me, I will give her what she wants. Everyone in this place has needs, and everyone in this place has prayers that you want to be answered. Every one of us in this place wants to see God do things in our life, but in order for us to see those things come to fruition, we need to get a spirit of persistency. We need to say, God, I'm going to persevere. God, I'm going to push past the uncomfortableness. <laughs> Importunity means persistence, especially to the point of annoyance. While the farmer who continues to nurture the crop to fruition while receiving nothing therefrom, the believer is to continue in well-doing, knowing that there is a harvest coming. Young person, there is a harvest coming. But if we ever want to reap the rewards of the harvest that is coming, we're going to have to be persistent. We're going to have to be persistent in a prayer room. We're going to have to be persistent whenever we read our Bible. We're going to have to be persistent whenever we fast. Young person, you are going to have to be persistent if you ever want to see it happen. Joseph was loved by his father but hated by his half-brothers. They sold him to traveling merchants and he was imprisoned in Egypt due to a false accusation. However, through adversity, Joseph persisted. Joseph used his gifts to help the Pharaoh during a famine. And he was rewarded with an admirable position of family and reconciliation with his brothers and fathers. All because Joseph was persistent. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, cried over idolatry. And false prophets, despite predicting the downfall of many kingdoms and being persecuted, he continued preaching in the name of the Lord. His story teaches us to praise God during the hard times. Like Jeremiah, let us persevere for the truth, even if it means being persecuted for our faith. And this list would be incomplete. If I did not recognize our Lord and Savior, Jesus died on a cross at Calvary for our sins. Through pain, anguish, and death, Jesus persevered on behalf of humanity's sins. If you ever wanted to be like the Lord, you've got to learn how to persevere. If you ever want to see it happen in our youth group, if you ever want to see revival, I said if you ever want to see souls saved, young person, you are going to have to persevere. You're going to have to push past. Come on, if you ever want to see that prodigal return, young person, you're going to have to push past the uncomfortable stage in prayer. Whenever you feel like you have no more words, you're going to have to start speaking in the spirit. Where would I be if it wasn't for a church with persistent elders? Where would you be if it wasn't for a church with persistent elders? Where would I be if it wasn't for persistent prayer warriors? 
July 4th, 1951, Florence Chadwick waded into the water off Catalina Island. She intended to be the first woman to swim the 21 miles from the island to the California coast. Long distance swimming was not new to her. She had been the first woman to swim the English Channel in both directions. The challenge that day was not so much the distance, but the bone-chilling waters of the Pacific. Making things more difficult, a dense fog had fallen over the entire area and was so thick she could hardly see the boats in front of her and behind her. The boats were there to help keep her on her course and to keep the sharks away. Her mother was in the front boat. Her trainer was in the back boat with a few others. She swam on and on, never seeing further than the boat ahead. She began to complain about the water. She wanted to get out. Her mother cheered her on, and she swam a little further, and then she insisted that she was done. Her trainer cheered her on, but she insisted that it was over and that she was done. After about 15, 15 chilling hours in the water, Chadwick gave up only to discover a few minutes later that she had quit within half a mile of her goal. Later, she told a reporter, if I could have only seen land, I might have made it. In 1952, she attempted the feat again. Once more, a misty veil obscured the coastline, and she couldn't see the shore. But this time she made it because she kept reminding herself that land was there. With that confidence, she bravely swam on and achieved her goal. In fact, she broke the men's record by two hours. I've come to remind a young person that land is just ahead. Come on, the enemy's going to try to put a veil in front of you. He's going to try to put a smoke screen. He's going to try to put a fog on the dense waters so you don't see that it's right there. But young person, that revival word that we've been hearing about is right around the corner. You've got to persevere past the dense fog. You've got to see past it. Come on, the enemy's going to try to blur your vision with drama and other minuscule problems. But God forbid we get so caught up in entertaining the drama that we forget to entertain our prayer lives. God forbid we get so caught up in entertaining the things of this world that we don't entertain his kingdom. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Cry unto him day and night. Luke chapter 18, verse number 7. Through eight, which is the last two verses of our opening text. And it says, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him? Though he bear along with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Somebody say speedily. We can get it twisted that it's always just going to be this long, drawn-out waiting process before we see our prayers answered. It's going to be this season of wait on the Lord before we ever see what we have been praying about come to fruition. But the Bible says that they cried unto him day and night. Sometimes you are going to have to go through the wait on the Lord, period. But the Bible says that they cried unto him day and night. And they cried unto him day and night. And the Bible says that God answered speedily. But not before they cried unto him day and night. Young person, persistence is going to get you past the obstacles. But if you are not consistent, you are never going to see long-term success in your spiritual life. You've got to learn how to be persistent. And after that, you've got to learn how to be consistent. Young person, the enemy's never going to take a day off. The enemy's never going to stop attacking my youth group. The enemy's never going to try to try to stop attacking my struggles. So why should I take a day off? If the enemy's never going to take a day off, young person, we need to proclaim that I'm never going to take a day off in my prayer life. I'm never going to take a day off reading the Bible. I'm never going to take a day off. New problems show up every day, and people need you to be consistent. Garrett, people need you. Storm, people need you. Carly, people need you. Taylor, people need you to be consistent. People are depending on our testimonies. 
The void is a term in the boxing world used to describe the space in between two opponents. So, so if I am here and my opponent is right here, that space in between me and my opponent is what is known as the void. And if you ever want to, to win the fight, you're going to have to learn to make the decision to cross the void. This can work in your favor because you have the opportunity to push your opponent back and to deal damage, putting your opponent on the back foot. As Pentecostal young people, we were never meant to live this life on defense mode. We were always meant to be on the offense. If I have to get it, I will take it by force. Crossing the void spiritually is whenever you make the decision to take dominion over your flesh and live for God with everything inside of you. I wonder if we have some young people right now that would make the decision to live for God with everything inside of you. I want to crucify my flesh. While we all stand to our feet and the musicians come, the singers, you can stay. I wonder if we have a couple young people who can lift up their hands and say, if you haven't already made the decision to cross the void and to live for God with everything inside of you, I wonder if we can make that decision right now. Right now, why don't we lift up our voice? Jesus, I magnify your name. God, I want to live for you with everything inside of me. If you've already made that decision, why don't you pray for someone else who hasn't made that decision? Come on. If we want to see our youth group be successful, we all have to be in this together. There's no time to teeter-totter on the edge. We're either in or we're out. Come on, make that decision. I'm going to live for God with everything inside of me. But there are some risks when crossing the void. When you step into that avoid, that void and attack, you leave yourself vulnerable in other areas. It isn't a matter of if you get hit. You will get hit. You will be knocked down. The Bible says that a righteous man falleth seven times and he gets back up. There's an irony in that verse because it says that the righteous man falleth. The Bible says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. You can be in that vein where you're in well-doing, where you're doing everything you thought God wanted you to do where you're following, you're calling, but the Bible says that a righteous man falleth. The difference between someone who isn't righteous and someone who is righteous is the righteous man, whenever he falls, he gets back up. Young person, I've come to tell you tonight, whenever you feel like giving up, don't give up. Whenever you feel like giving in, don't give in. You're going to be tempted to give in, to stay down, to stop trying. But be not weary in well-doing because you are about to reap the rewards of your faithfulness. God has been so good to this youth group this year. We saw it on the screen. We got had seven people, was it seven, that received the Holy Ghost at camp. We've seen chains broken that have never been broken before. We've seen things happen, barriers being shot down that have never before been shot down in our youth group. And I don't want to take credit away from that because those things are so awesome. But let us not get so caught up in all of the good things that are happening that we forget to pray for those who have fallen in crossing the void. We've had people have made the decision just to not cross the void. And young person, if you're making the decision to not cross the void, the enemy is going to cross the void in your place. And he is going to attack you. And whenever the enemy is putting you on the back foot, it is much harder to step back and attack the enemy. I wonder if we can take a couple minutes and pray for those who were hit and couldn't get back up. And man, it can be so easy to talk about these people. Talk about what he's doing. Talk about what she's wearing. Talk about what he's posting. It's so easy to talk about them. But God forbid we talk about them so much that we never hit a prayer room for them.
this is where my burden is hitting me the most. This is where my burden is hitting me the most. There are young people that should be under the sound of my voice right now. There are young people that should be in this place that aren't here because they weren't strong enough to get back up. When crossing the void, it can happen one hit at a time. You don't notice it, but the enemy is making you weaker one hit at a time, slowly fatiguing you until you realize you can no longer cross the void. Young person, this is why it's so important that we stay prayed up. Young person, this is why it's so important that we prioritize our walk with God above anything else. We need to press in right now. I really felt a burden for the young people that were knocked down. I really felt a burden for those people. Come on, I know we've got some names in our head. I wonder if we can call out those names. Come on, I wonder if we can plead the blood over those names. to get to a point where we are crossing the void for these young people. We're crossing the void in place of him. Come on, young person, pray like that. Young person, salvation depends on your prayer. Pray like your prayer is what's going to get them saved. Come on, they ultimately have to make the decision. But we can make the decision here right now that we're going to fight for them. If they're not going to fight, I will fight for them. Continue to press. I believe that God is working on these young people. I believe that there are young people that are going to return, that are going to get back up after being knocked down. Come on, let's pray. Let's push a little bit deeper.
Come on, young people. Altar call's not over. It's just getting started. Hallelujah. Uh, again, there's been a, a challenge given. Hallelujah. Is there somebody in your mind right now uh, that you're willing to cross the void for? Uh, I know in my mind I see too, way too many young people. Uh, oh, hallelujah. There's got to be a burden for somebody. Uh, oh, hallelujah. It's got to be more than just me. Uh, but God, give me a burden for somebody else. Uh, give me a burden for somebody else's walk with God. Uh, oh, hallelujah. I've got a friend that's not where they're supposed to be. I've got a family member that's not where they're supposed to be. But God, help me to push. Help me, God, to cross that void. Help me, Lord Jesus. Come on, young people, let's push. Let's push all over this place. Get somebody in your mind. Begin to pray for them like you've never prayed for them before.
person. service and to sit on a pew, then you're listening to the lies of the enemy because God has called nobody to just be a bench warmer. God call, has not called anybody just to come and sit on a church pew and go through the motions, service after service, but he has called you to something. He has called every single one of us to something. Whether that is intercessory prayer, whether that is giving Bible studies, whether that is praying for backslidden young people, knocking on doors, preaching, playing, singing, whatever it is, God has called you for something. God is reaching for you tonight. God is trying to awaken you and let you know that you're not doing what he called you to do. He's given you the message and the call to go to Nineveh. He's challenged you to cross the void. He's asked you whose prisoner are you. And I'm asking you tonight, have you responded exactly like God wanted you to respond? Have you responded to him exactly how you felt God was calling you to respond? Have you done exactly what you've needed to do so far this service? Or is God trying to wake you up and to pull you out of your sleep and saying, I'm not done with you. He's not finished. He's not finished. He's not finished with you. He's not finished with your ministry. Hallelujah. Can we tap into that right now? Oh, God. God, I know you're not finished with me, God. God, but I want to hear the call. God, I want to heed to the call. I want to go to Nineveh.
understood that it was up to you. Are you willing to cross that void? If you knew that if it wasn't, if it was up to you to pray for somebody, if it was up to you that they could live or die tonight, would you do it? Would you be able to press? Would you be able to cross the void? Would you be able to push, young person? Come on, I'm telling you, you may not think it's dire, but there's young people out there that can't fight for themselves. It's you and me. It's you and me.